My name is uh, Jesse Rosenzweig. I am the co-founder and CTO of Elemental Technologies. Uh, I'm also here today with Ewan McLeod, who is uh, the Amazon Video Global Head of Live Streaming. So super exciting to have Ewan here. Uh, he also was at Turner as VP of Content in the past. So Ewan has, has provided a lot of great content and applications, OTT applications, to the, to the world. So it's exciting to be here with us, or with uh, Ewan. Uh, today we're going to talk about basically a project we've been working on for about a year. Uh, it's been in production for a year or so. We've learned a lot about how to stream live 24-7 uh, content and live events on AWS. Uh, it's an incredibly scalable, agile, and uh, cost-effective solution. So I'm going to talk you, talk you through that. So yeah, agenda today, uh, we're going to talk about multi-screen content delivery demands. What is, why is this hard? What, what is it that we have to do to make this work? Um, how AWS enables this workflow, and also building advanced media workflows I'm going to dive into the architecture of what we've put together. Uh, and then we'll bring up Ewan, and he'll talk about the uh, actual implementation that a Amazon Video has put together and kind of the services that they provide. Who knew uh, Amazon Video has live streaming? All right. So, yeah, me too. So, yeah, we'll, a lot of people will learn uh, lots, lots here about this. So who are we? Elemental is... Uh, we're kind of at the center of delivering multi-screen content. Uh, what does that mean? So we provide solutions for pay TV operators, content programmers, uh, broadcasters, government, and enterprises to basically take content from live and on-demand sources. So files can be uh, either on file servers, FTP servers, or you know S3 specifically, and also live streaming from uh, satellite cameras, playout servers, any type of of live source you might have. We take that content, we compress it, we uh, format it in lots of different formats, bit rates, resolutions, codecs for audio and video, captions, metadata, all that great stuff, and provide formats that all these products, uh, devices would, would work with. So TV in your house, in your living room, to uh, mobile devices, to PlayStations and gaming devices. Uh, even little set-top boxes like Roku and Apple TV. So basically, getting this content to work on all those devices is what Elemental is all about. Uh, Elemental was acquired about a year ago from, by AWS, and uh, been a great partnership ever since. Uh, we have about 850 customers worldwide, so if you've watched content online, premium content, uh, even from satellite and cable, you've likely seen content powered by Elemental. All right, so what, is, what do we mean by live? Because I think that's a good place to start. What is the definition of live? Because it's uh, changing a lot. Uh, traditionally, we're used to live broadcast uh, as a shared kind of experience. We all watch live at the same time, the same, kind of at the same time from that broadcast. But we all know that this is changing a lot, right? It's, uh, we kind of expect now to have the ability to rewind you catch up, start over that program from the beginning, you're actually able to see uh, points along the timeline changing in a very dynamic way. Uh, there's, there's cool experiences with the primary screen and the, and the secondary screen. And uh, I don't know about you, I watched a lot of election coverage on CNN lately, 
Um, I noticed that, that this is a really uh, advanced experience now. So you've got the ability to, to go back to times when the speeches were going on. You get uh, you know blog posts on along the side. It's it's a very advanced experience. So talk about how we get that advanced experience to work. So the cloud meets this demand of, of this fundamental shift that we're going to need to do to, to provide these solutions to the to our consumers. Um, I know you guys have all seen these tenants before, but I do want to kind of bring it back to uh, what the problem is we're solving. So agility, why do we need agility for, for live streaming? So let's say you want to bid for, for new content, rights to stream the content. You may not know that you get those those rights until very close towards the, the event itself, right? So you need to be able to decrease your time to market, be able to spin up channels really quickly. Oh, also you need to be able to provide new approaches, uh, new testing, so you might want to try a new codec or a new uh, type of packaging, so that's, that allows us to do that. We can spin up new channels with those new, uh, new technologies. Uh, you can trade the capital expense for variable expenses, so let's say you do get those rights. Uh, you may not want to buy a lot of equipment for that, that event. You might want to just spin up the channels for that time, spin them down. Stop guessing at capacity. So you may have a very, uh, an event that just gets really popular really fast. You need to be able to scale up, handle unpredictable loads. You benefit from the massive uh, economies of scale here. So Consistently, AWS has been able to, to reduce the price of these actual, the, the storage and compute solutions that are available, right? So economies of scale help. And can go global in minutes. So we're in 14 different regions now. At, that, that allows you to spin up channels in any of these regions very quickly in minutes. Great. So let's... Talk about more of the advanced 24-7 uh, live video delivery challenges. So why, why is live specifically hard? So the incoming streams, there's a lot of different formats and a lot of different bit rates required, very high bit rate. So what I mean by that is typically 20, 50, 100 megabits per second. That's for uh, HD content. So as, as we get into 4K, that's even a bigger number. So we got to get the content into the cloud. Uh, we need to maintain that reliable experience that our consumers are used to. So if you're watching TV at home, you can't expect it to go out, stop working. You need a very, very robust experience there. This continued evolution of that experience, you know, we're kind of expecting a lot of advanced features when we log into that content. Uh, we need to continue that and, and really uh, allow our customers to innovate in those in that space. And then uh, the unpredictable capacity requirements I talked about earlier. All right, so let's dive into the architecture a little bit more, some of the fun stuff in my opinion. Uh, so how do we get this content into the cloud? So content ironically comes from the sky a lot of times, uh, from, from satellites. So we get, a, get that satellite receiver is typically on the ground. When we get that content uh, received by the IRD, then we need to push that into the cloud over uh, AWS Direct Connect. And we're gonna do that in two different regions, so an east and a west, at least for the US, but you know, AWS has many, many regions available. 
and we're going to push that content uh, into VPCs. So each one of these regions, there's at least one VPC that's going to receive that content over the Direct Connect. Now the ingest logic here is where we terminate that stream and we are able to replicate that to multiple subscribing encoders. Uh, yeah, so, so the reason we want to put it in two regions is, of course, for uh, disaster uh, situations. If there's some sort of catastrophic event in one region, you have the other region. But the other kind of nice thing that you get out of this is the ability to upgrade a, a region at a time, right? Uh, can, you can modify a region, you can add features in that region, make sure it works, and roll it out to multiple regions. So let's talk about those content sources again. Uh, the same input that gets broadcast out to the satellite or TV channel can be used for, uh, for live streaming on our system. So we take that content, it can be from fiber, from satellite, from playout servers. Uh, we support you know, contribution feeds like 422, uh, high bit rates, advanced captions, metadata, uh, the ability to insert markers into the stream because we're going to need those downstream for, for advanced metadata. We also require a, or we, we want a time code in there so that we can lock that stream downstream, the processing downstream, I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, we also support, uh, we talked about AWS Direct Connect. We also support getting content over the internet, over HTTP-based sources, so HLS. Uh, we can do an HLS pull. We can do an HLS push. We can do RTMP. Uh, we can even accept an RTP over the internet with a forward error correction. So lots of ways to get the content in. Our suggestion, though, is uh, you see the Elemental Live in the corner there. That's uh, Elemental Live appliance. So the other way is, you know, if you have SDI or HDMI, or you have uh, you want to condition that content that you've got on the ground for distribution into the cloud, we can put an Elemental Live appliance down there on the ground and get all that content conditioned for pushing over the internet or pushing over the network to the cloud. Um, specifically. We can do HEVC, we can do uh, you know, higher quality codecs at lower bit rates between the two points. So once the signal is in the cloud, what we need to do is compress it. So if you've watched content online, you've probably seen the quality change. It might get better, it might get worse depending on your network conditions. Well, the way that works is Elemental Live compresses and converts that format that incoming stream into all those different renditions, okay? We then push that content to our Elemental Delta, which is a just-in-time packager. Uh, it indexes the content as it's coming in and saves it all to S3. And as that content's coming in, it's constantly recording everything that's coming in, indexing and recording it. Now, when a request comes in from a client, it can be a, it's an iPad or a phone or a PC, we can see what, who, uh, what kind of device is requesting. We can see kind of what IP address range. You can insert ads at that point. You can just-in-time package for that device for that format with a very advanced kind of filtering uh, capability there. Oh, you see the redundancy here. We've got quadruple redundancy. Now, uh, 
that's again for availability zones. We've got four availability zones essentially, two regions. So we're pushing that same stream into these four different places. That allows no single point of failure. It can handle catastrophic events. Uh, we can maintain and upgrade components without any disruption downstream. Amazon S3 and RDS are, are deeply integrated with Delta, so that allows us to, again, store everything all the time. I'll talk more about that in a second. So channels used to be very static. You know, there was, there was certain channels everybody knows and, and loves, uh, but now we, we have this demand for more channels, pay as you go, create a new channel, uh, maybe this channel is going to be temporary. Maybe this channel is just every day at 7 p.m. I'll talk about more, that more. Uh, so there's this, uh, this beautiful thing where you can now create a channel anytime you need. I should mention this, this kind of set of four components plus S3 and RDS. That's, that can represent one channel uh, or it can represent uh, multiple channels if you're willing to go more dense and take more risk with, uh, with uh, single points of failure. Because we're recording everything all the time, now that allows our customers to be able to uh, essentially not have to worry about asset lifecycle management as much anymore. So you can just record everything. Uh, our customers used to tell us that they have to plan, you know, the based on storage, physical storage space, they'd have to plan the asset. How long can this asset be available? Uh, There's just kind of a lot of business logic around that and, and planning on storage. So. That kind of goes away up here in the cloud. You just have S3, it's always recording all the time. You can use that content in the future anytime you need. Yoon's gonna talk more about this backend piece because they've developed some really, really amazing technology here, but uh, we need to combine this. The point is we need to combine that content, that quadruple redundancy, and bring it all the way out to the player. So the player has essentially four places it can go on the in the cloud to get this content. And if it can't find it on one of the places, then it'll go to the next one. Of course, we want Amazon CloudFront to deliver that content CD, as a CDN, but we also support lots of other CDNs in a pull, pull sort of mechanism. So yeah, to go over the architecture again, so we bring the, the source feeds in, to two availability or two regions, four availability zones, uh, bring it back as a load with a load balancer across those two uh, sets in each region, and multiple CDNs, and then a player, the player logic as well. So this architecture provides you know very very agile, very scalable, and robust solution. Consumers never see any difference when you're maintaining and upgrading or any kind of catastrophic event, um, and we'll talk more. You and I'll show you actual examples of this running. So I think with that, I will bring Ewan up, and he will talk about how Amazon Video has implemented this. Thank you. <clears throat> Cheers. Well, welcome. Uh, a bit of background on myself, so my name is Ewan McLeod. I run the live streaming team at Amazon Video. Um, prior to that, I was a VP at Turner Broadcasting. 
I worked a lot of news, sports and entertainment for live streaming. Uh, lots of experience running live events, March Madness, CNN, and the likes of that. Um, so it's important to convey this, and that is with live, obviously there's no second chances. You have to get it right pretty much 100% of the time, otherwise customers are being impacted, people are complaining, they're not seeing their goal, they're not seeing their team, they're not seeing the event. So one thing that's really important to convey to you today, I think, is you know, when you move infrastructure to the cloud, I would think one of the, from my, my, my perspective as a live streaming expert person, is that that's one of the most difficult things you can do, I think, because there's no second chances. You can't, you know, resend the file. You can't ask for a second chance. It's live. It's happening right now, and there's lots of people watching. And they expect an experience that is good, as good as, or better than what's on traditional broadcast TV today. Um, I'm going to give you uh, a demo and explain a little bit about Amazon Video. Um, you probably don't know this, because most of our customers don't, but we do have live linear TV channels on Amazon Video today. So you can go to Amazon, Amazon Video, click on subscriptions, or Amazon channels as it's called, and you can subscribe to Stars or Showtime. There's multiple uh, channels within that bundle. So that's one network, Stars, another network, Showtime, and we're adding many more soon. Um, when you go to the live experience, obviously it gives you the number of channels. It shows you what is on the, uh, what is actually being played out at that time, and it's all live content. So we're doing this today. We've been doing it since December last year. So it's very close to 12 months now running this infrastructure in the cloud 24-7 with a very high SLA. So our SLA requirement, or service level agreement, is five nines. So, you know, we're, we're basically going for 100% uptime in a cloud environment. And that's why when you've seen Jesse talk through the architecture, we've basically got lots of redundancy built in there. And I'll go into a little bit of that as well and sort of explain from my perspective why we did things that way. Of course, when, you, when, you're, watching, when you're watching live content on Amazon, we have this really nice interface which is called X-Ray. I don't know if you've experienced it, but it tells you what actors are actually on screen at the time and you can then interact with that and see what other movies they're in, TV shows, and such like. And again, there's lots of extensions or use cases where, where, I, where I'll show you some other things we're doing in a similar vein. Um, one thing I'll tell you about myself is um, when we're running live events, I'd say the most important thing is, our my statement is always, only the paranoid survive. So you want to make sure everything from end to end is covered checked and working. So I'm going to talk about our cloud infrastructure. I'm also going to talk a little bit about how we run our events and the differences between what we call live events. So there's, I basically categorize live events into three different things. There's ad hoc live events, which is basically an event that can happen anytime. And I'll show you an example later. So maybe Amazon Music might come to our team and say, we want to do a debut of some famous artist debuting their album next week. So there's no planning. Um, there's little lead time, and we have to spin up channels and instances to support that event. That's an ad hoc event. It can happen any time. Then we have temple events. Temple events, outside events, you know that are going to happen. The Olympics every four years, the Masters Golf Tournament, you know, March Madness, they happen. We know that we're going to need a large environment, a, a huge scale during those temple events. And it's something we can plan for maybe weeks or months in advance, and they happen at the same time. So there's basically a temple, there's a pole in the ground, you know, there's a five-day event like the Masters, so we basically work towards that and build an infrastructure in the cloud to support those types of events. And third, 
which is what the title of the presentation is today, is 24-7 live linear streaming, which is probably the most difficult because you're obviously running this 365 days, you know, 24-7, you know, multiple channels, lots of consumers all watching, expecting a really great experience. So, ad hoc events. This is an example. Um, Macklemore, who is a Seattle-based artist, um, well-known musician, wanted to debut his album in Seattle in a nightclub called the Numerous Nightclub, and we got the rights to exclusively stream that on Amazon Music and Amazon Video. Um, when we did that event, obviously, that was our first sort of foray into um, live streaming with Amazon, where we had a large-scale audience actually watching without any authentication. So this is free to the public. Um, it was reported lots of places, even on CNN. And after the event, one of the main media experts, um, which if you know much about live streaming, you've heard of Dan Rayburn. He is a great critic of what's happening in the market from a technology perspective. And he basically said the stream was flawless, which is really important to our team and myself, because that was a real, um, it really showed that our architecture, how we do events, is working really well in the cloud. So I'm going to give you a quick demo of um, um, Amazon Video. So let me switch the input here. And Mike, you need to log in if you don't mind. Thanks. <laughs> so you might be familiar with Amazon Video or Amazon Marketplace. So obviously, if you go to Amazon Video, um, you can click on subscriptions, like stars. And down here at the bottom, you'll see all the live channels. So you can see in stars uh, east, we've got The Perfect Guy and lots of other movies, Cry Kid, some of your favorites here. So we can click on this. Um, and it's going to bring us into a live play out of a movie. Um, obviously, in our interface, you can turn captions on and off. Um, right now, so this is playing live, real-time, actual video that you can subscribe to on Amazon Video right now. So this is, you know, the email is this is gonna, this is this is really just showing you this is this is working all the time, every time. And we're confident enough to stand in this room and actually show you. And anyone who knows anything about technology, doing live demos, is not something you want to do unless you're very confident in it. And thanks to the Elemental team, and thanks to all the people in AWS and all the people in Amazon Video. Obviously, we've spent a lot of time so you can't and effort. Um, getting this correct. Um, so that was a very quick demo, I know. Uh, back to slides. Awesome. Um, so, what leads us to building this infrastructure? So, when you're delivering live video or any type of video, really, you really need to make some trade offs. And the trade offs that you're making are very important. And for Amazon Video traditionally, and if you know anything about Amazon Video, traditionally it was a VOD, subscription VOD service, um, movies and TV shows and episodes. Um, and these were our trade-offs. And, and how you prioritize the trade-offs are really important. So we want reliability first. Meaning when you're watching a movie or a show or a live stream, we want you to be able to watch it consistently um, with no buffering, with no fatal errors. It doesn't, you know, bomb out and make you reconnect or reload the video player. Second one is playback start time. Amazon Video used to be known as Amazon Instant Video for a reason, because it really starts instantaneously. 
Now, when I just showed it then, maybe it took a second or two to start, I'm not actually sure. But the shared internet connection here is not the best, but it still starts very quickly. That's one of our other um, sort of tenants. And the third thing is video quality, meaning when you're at home in the office out and about, we want to stream to you the highest quality possible for your device, for your network condition. And we put a lot of effort into that. So there's the three things. The reliability, meaning no rebuffering, no fatal errors, no having to reload the video player halfway through the stream, getting you into the video experience almost instantaneously. And the third one is video quality, streaming the highest bit rate possible. Now, in live streaming, we're also adding a fourth tenant which is going to be latency. So obviously we want to reduce the latency to the minimal possible while still giving you a reliable instant start and high quality video experience. And when I say latency, um, I mean latency from what's happening right here, right now in real time to what you're seeing on your client or your player in your apartment, in your home, in your place of business. Yeah. Um, so how do we do that? We spend a lot of time and resources in measuring and improving the playback experience. Um, and again, as I said, this, we have this holistic approach. We want to make sure every single component's working all the way through the pipeline. So we're continually measuring and checking data to see the playback experience at every single possible level, even down to the individual consumer level. So because you're subscribed to Amazon Video, because you're on Amazon Video's platform, because we own the client, because we develop the clients, we have the ability to check exactly what's happening uh, on the experience for each individual user on every single device permanently. And why do we do that? Because Amazon's all about customer trust. One thing that's drilled into you, so I started on Amazon in January this year. One thing that they uh, bestow upon you as soon as you come into the door on Amazon is about customer obsession. And everything we do, when we talk about trade-offs between reliability, quality, performance, everything is a trust builder or a trust buster. So if it's building trust, we do it. If we think it could possibly you know, take away from the trust that our customers have on Amazon, we, we never do it. So that's very important. Everything's about customer trust to us. We want every customer to have a brilliant experience in every single instance. Uh, and believe me, if they don't, we hear about it very quickly. And we have the data to show that. So Jesse already went through the architecture. Um, but I'll go over it very briefly so you kind of understand why you've got all these redundancies. So first of all, when you go to a network like uh, Stars or Showtime, they want to use satellite. They prefer satellite. We could also use fiber, but we, we want redundancy. So we can either take satellite downlink, and for, for ourselves in Amazon, we have two downlink facilities, one in Atlanta, one in Denver. And then from those two facilities, we basically cross-publish to AWS East and AWS West. So why do we do that? Why couldn't you just have the one downlink? There could be bad weather in, in Atlanta. If there's bad weather in Atlanta, we're still downlinking in Denver and publishing to the east and west coast. So we've always got a consistent input. Same thing, there could be bad weather in Denver. There could be maintenance, whatever. That, that, that's why we've got this you know, re geographically redundant downlink facilities. But the same with fiber. We take redundant paths of fiber so we know if there was a problem on one side, we've got the other side. And we'll dual publishing to both regions so even if an AWS region had an outage, we'd still have Atlanta and Denver pushing to the other region. So hopefully you get that. That's clear in the US. East-West Coast regions, sort of East-West Coast downlinks, same in Europe. Um, we use these things called ingest logic or RTP reflectors to basically make sure we're pointing to instances that are live and active. So anytime 
One thing that the cloud affords us is the ability to update or move things really rapidly and change things, update software, you know, move infrastructure around. And these, this ingest logic allows us to point to different places. So that's what that is. Elemental Cloud, Jesse went over briefly. You know, we basically have for every one input, let's say stars east, the one I showed in the demo, we're basically downlinking it in two locations, and then we're pushing it twice to each region. So we've basically got four paths. So that's why we've got four encoders, four deltas, which are actual packagers. So we encode in the encoder to multiple bit rates and profiles, and then we package them on the delta packager, output different formats. So for Amazon Video, we use um, HLS, obviously, and we use Dash, and we use Smooth Streaming. So the packager actually packages the different formats, and we also apply DRM. And obviously, the DRM protects the content from people from copying it or you know, viewing it without the correct authority, which is really important to studios. And a lot of the stuff that's happening in the DRM market, digital rights management, is driven by the people who actually produce the content. If I'm producing, spending millions of dollars producing a movie, I want to make sure people can't watch it for free. So a lot of that's doing there. We have load balancers that basically balance the traffic. So when you request a, a live stream from Amazon, um, we know what's active, we know what's happening in our infrastructure, and we point you to where you, you are, you're going to get the best experience. Generally, people on the East Coast to the, go to the East AWS region. People on the West Coast generally go to the West. Obviously, that gives us a better um, sort of round-trip time for CDN balancing as well. Um, obviously, for DRM, we have a key server that delivers the keys. That then goes through the ecosystem all the way to the client, and then you see that loopback where the license has been requested from the key server, which is connected to the packager, to make sure that you can only watch that content or you only get the key to make sure you can unlock the content effectively. In between, you'll see there we've got this um, origin cache layer, which is obviously an AWS, which allows us to rapidly scale up events as well. So let's say uh, on election night, we had Stephen Colbert on a particular channel doing live election coverage. Obviously, when we get a big in Russia customers, we can quickly scale up our infrastructure to handle high demand. And it's really just a push of a button. And that's the amazing thing about AWS, as you know. I'm sure most of you are here for that reason, because you, you want to understand how AWS can be used to help you in your, you know, build your technology, make it more scalable, make it more reliable. That's what this affords us. And it's very nice to have. It's the having to rack servers, it's the having to plan months in advance. We literally just know where the instances are, and we can find them and deploy them. Um, as Jesse said, we used a multiple CDN strategy. Um, we use CloudFront, obviously, as much as we can, and we measure their performance against all of our other CDNs, and we actually load the CDNs based on performance only. But because of our relationship with CloudFront, we've also helped them improve their performance, and we deliver a lot of traffic through CloudFront, obviously. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about what we've done with them later in the presentation. Uh, and then, obviously, on the display devices. So Amazon Video, as I said, we have our own clients, we have our own players. We have, I think it's 1,300 devices in the market. You know, you name it. You know, mobile devices, uh, yeah, TVs, set-top boxes, um, you know, all of the different devices you can think of. We have our own client on those devices. And when the client makes a request, it obviously reverse proxies through the CDN back to our origin level, and we point you to the best place that you can get the best stream. As an example, if there's bad weather in Atlanta and we're seeing some degradation in the ingest stream, we would not point anyone to that, that stream that you, can, you see them coming through the workflow. Um, we continually monitor what's happening on every single client. So we have QoS metrics built into our players 
um, that is permanently feeding back data into the ecosystem that optimizes all of our services. We do CDN failover, we do CDN selection, um, we look at historical data. So it might be that when you are in a specific location and you're on a specific network or ISP and you're getting a bad experience with a specific CDN, we will switch you to a new CDN without you even noticing it's seamless to the client. Um, but next time you go to stream, we will make the preference in your client that CDN. That's all, um, you know, you don't see that within the client, but that all happens sort of under the covers. And that's one thing that I think is really unique about Amazon is that, you know, in Amazon video, we put our heart and souls into making this infrastructure as robust as possible. And what we do is we lift the covers and let you see how we do it. So this is all stuff that we are doing 24-7, day in, day out, which hopefully interests you guys. Um, we obviously have policy management for managing policies, and then these QoS events can trigger certain things. So a QoS event could say, there's a regional CDN outage with a CDN in New York. We can immediately switch that CDN out of our CDN preference list. So effectively, when the, when the client makes a request for content, we give it three CDNs, three URLs effectively, this is the preferred CDN, the backup, and the third one. And we can switch between those and also update those CDNs all, the, all through the session. Even if it's a five-minute video, if it's a stream 24-7 you're watching for days, we can continually update the streams, the content, the CDN configurations, and how this, how, uh, how this content has been delivered. Obviously, monitoring is a big thing for us. Um, we obviously use Amazon sort notification services, EC2, Redshift, you know, Route 53, Route 53, for lots of the underlying infrastructure um, to, to get this performance of this, you know, five nines uptime. Um, so, what's the difference between maybe doing an event or doing a 24-7 broadcast? 24-7 broadcast, chances are you're dealing with a big network. We're either ingesting with fiber and we get a MES format, some, you know, high quality video ingest from those networks and we ingest it into the cloud and we encode it in the cloud and we distribute it to our clients. For live events, sometimes we'll send a satellite track there or there might be a satellite track there, but other times we will have um, actual appliances from Elemental on site. So if you know much about live streaming or uh, live events, usually there's, you know, there's a production track outside that's switching between the cameras, there's an output feed that goes to satellite track if there is a satellite, the app link it and multiple parties can downlink it. In that instance, we'll downlink the video. Same, redundancy, east and west. If not, it might be an event that's exclusive to Amazon Video, or maybe we're the main um, sort of you know, partner for that event. In that instance, we'll send an actual elemental appliance on site. We'll ingest SDI into the back of the elemental encoder, and then we'll encode it, encode it to H.264, for example, and push it to the cloud, and then we'll use the same workflow. So we'll have redundancy with different networks, and we'll go east and west coast. So it's, it's really the same from there. I just wanted to show you that um, obviously there's different ways of ingesting content. Satellite, fiber, dedicated fiber. We have, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with Direct Connect with AWS, which is a way of peering networks directly together. We can even send content over the public internet if we chose to. Um, another event we do every single evening um, at 6 p.m. Um, west coast time is a show called Style Code Live. And I'm sure most people in this room are not familiar with Style Code Live because it's a fashion show. Um, it's broadcast for 30 minutes and it's a live broadcast Monday to Friday. And whilst they're broadcasting the show, 
they are also allowing you the opportunity to purchase the products. So in, in this instance, obviously, they're talking about lipstick, I guess. And obviously, the carousel that allows you to purchase the product is synchronized with the live video content. So you can obviously buy the lipstick, and it goes directly to your Amazon shopping cart and probably gets delivered within an hour or two hours, or depending on where you live, arrives at your door very quickly. So you can see how we're evolving into uh, a sort of ecosystem where you know, everything ties together. I showed you X-Ray. Now we've got purchasing and live video streaming. Um, and even if you don't like fashion, even if you don't wear makeup, I would really encourage you to watch this show because it's really impressive to see how people interact. There's also live chat where people can ask questions of the commentators. That's why latency and lowering it is important to us. Um, so our partnership, or our, obviously our clo close relationship with um, CloudFront has lots of benefits for us as Amazon Video, but also for you as potential, um, you know, potential users of CloudFront. Um, a couple of things we've done is um, when you are when you're streaming a live video um, URL or content or even a VOD clip, um, there's this concept of bitrate switching. It's adaptive bitrate streaming. It, we go up to 10 megabits per second. We go down to 256 kilobits per second. And it adapts based on your bandwidth, where you are in your home or traveling on your mobile device. Now, when you switch bit rates, obviously, there are multi it's almost like multiple streams of content. There's the low bit rate, medium bit rate, high bit rate. And traditionally, when you switch between them, you have a problem where there's, there's no caching of that content. So what CloudFront developed is this pre-caching pre mechanism that reduces cache misses. So what a cache misses is if you have one object on a CDN and nobody else has seen it before, it's called the cache miss, and your client has to go all the way back to the origin and there's a longer round trip time, maybe of a second, to get it back to you. When you have a cache hit, the chances are there's a server really close to you on a CDN like CloudFront and you get a drill, and it's instantaneous. So you want to maximize cache hits. You want everything to be cached close to the customers. So what prefetching of content does for adaptive bitrate streaming means that when you switch bitrate, it's cached. It's not like you have to wait. It doesn't cause delay in the client, which could eventually cause a buffer, depending on your buffer size. The other thing is we did is we've got this, the AWS or CloudFront have got support for dynamically generating man manifests based on your client or device type. So all devices are not created equal. All devices are of different capabilities. And when you're streaming to those devices, those devices may not be able to bitrate switch as effectively as other devices. So we have this um, ability to play back you, the manifests based on device type as well, which is really interesting. And that also increases performance. Uh, and that was pretty cool that AWS uh, or CloudFront developed that. So what impact does this have? Obviously, when you're watching popular movies or popular titles, there's a lot of caching happening because everyone's watching it. You know, recently we released, released the Grand Tour, um, which is a car show, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Lots of caches, lots of caching was happening there because everyone was watching at the same time. They all would see the latest episode. When you go to what you call a long tail or less popular content, traditionally in a CDN, those, those um, files, because they're not being viewed by lots of people at the same time, tend to have this problem where, because there's no caching happening, you get more rebuffers, because you're really the only person watching that title. But what CloudFront managed to do is provide this, uh, basically, ability to pre-cache the content so it's as if it's a popular event and the performance is much, much higher, as you can see there. 
Um, so that's basically all I have to talk about. Jesse's going to um, uh, talk about the conclusions, but one thing I'll leave with you is this fact. We are streaming live content today on AWS um, using Elemental 24-7 for almost 12 months now. We've achieved an SLA of five nines, which is TV standard. It works really well. Obviously, we've got a lot of redundancy to build, built in. Uh, obviously, if you're going to do live events, I will say only the paranoid survive again. Um, I'd love to learn more about what anyone's looking at doing from a cloud live streaming perspective. I'm sure there's a lot we can do to help. And with that, I'm going to get, let Jesse give you the conclusion on, you know, why this is a, why this is a good thing to move content to the cloud for live streaming. Thanks, Iran. Yeah, really exciting stuff. The style code thing is fun to watch, even if you're not going to buy anything. But uh, you can see the power of, of kind of the combination of technology and, and the robust solution that we've built here. So yeah, just just in uh, in conclusion, thanks a lot for coming. Uh, Large-scale deployments of high-quality video via cloud is now possible. We've proven that it works, like like uh, Ewan said. Uh, cloud workflows can be engineered to be as good or better than what you're used to on-premise. And then uh, customers can expect a rich, dynamic experience moving forward. Uh, you know, we want we want you to innovate in this area. You, you want those consumers, you want that experience uh, to be an innovative experience. That's what we want to empower you to do. So, thanks a lot for coming. I think if we have, uh, if you want to have ask questions, we'll be up here after the after the show. Thank you.